everyone. Welcome to another episode of NGI's Hub & Flow podcast. I'm Letitia Gonzalez, Senior Editor of Markets here at NGI. I'm joining you from Houston, where I cover the day-to-day fluctuations in natural gas supply and demand that impact prices. At NGI, we believe that transparent markets empower businesses, economies, and communities, and we work to provide you with natural gas transparency, fundamentals, and key insights into the North American gas market. You can find this information and more in our daily gas price index and the host of other products listed on our website, natgasintel.com. On today's episode of NGI's Hub & Flow, we want to dive into something that probably everyone across the country experienced at one time or another over the past year, or at least I should say since March, and that is the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. Now, if I told you back in March when the COVID-19 pandemic first began penetrating the United States, that it really wasn't your next door neighbor buying up all the toilet paper and that in fact, outright toilet paper demand never really was impacted by the virus, would you believe it? Today, I'm chatting with our very own in-house technology wizard and markets analyst, Nate Harrison, who can shed some light not only on the toilet paper debacle that emerged in the spring, but more importantly to you, our readers, how COVID-19 has reshaped natural gas demand. Nate, let's start at the top, or should I say bottom? (laughs) Folks across the country, including myself, have experienced what they've perceived as a toilet paper shortage when the COVID-19 pandemic first hit. I mean, you saw the pictures, the memes, the news stories, Shelves were empty and stores were implementing restrictions on just how many packages of toilet paper and paper towels even that you could buy. Even now, I went to the grocery store this week and either Quilted Northern has stopped producing that 12-pack of double rolls that I normally buy or there is indeed a shortage. I can only find a six-pack, so I'm having to buy almost weekly. But what you're seeing in the actual data, Nate, is that there never really has been a true shortage of toilet paper. So then what are we seeing, Nate? That's right. There wasn't a true shortage of toilet paper. Uh, but what we experienced was actually a shifting of consumption behavior due to the pandemic. We all saw the empty shelves and the news enjoyed running stories about orders with carts full of TP. But the hoarding and panic buying wasn't the biggest reason for the problem. If you look at true consumption of toilet paper, it's actually fairly flat. The amount of business that people need to use it for doesn't change very much over time, even with the advent of Taco Tuesdays. And these panic buyers in the news that they ran clips of over and over again were a small minority of the population. While the amount of business didn't change, what did change is where people did their business. Before the pandemic, most business was done at work, shops, and schools. People were generally out of their houses for a large part of the work week, and the toilet paper they consumed while at work or school was not the same stuff they would buy for their own home. The toilet paper you see in large rolls in your office dispensers is made mostly from wood pulp and often contains more than 50% recycled post-consumer content whereas the stuff most of us buy for our homes is usually 100% virgin fiber and sometimes even contains cotton. While these are both toilet paper, they're actually two very different products and aren't even manufactured in the same facilities in many cases. 
When stay-at-home orders began to be imposed in the spring, most toilet paper consumption shifted to the home, and this created a sudden shift in demand. There was plenty of commercial-grade stuff sitting in warehouses, while at the same time, factories worked around the clock to crank out TP for home consumption. Wow. That's really interesting, and it it makes a lot of sense. I guess most of us have never really investigated the issue down to that level of granularity. We just complained about it over Facebook and, and to our families. But how, it, how does this shift in demand carry over to the natural gas market? The main point is to illustrate the concept that unexpected changes in consumption patterns can create extreme supply and demand outcomes, even when total usage of a commodity remains unchanged. Looking at natural gas demand, you can see that being at home has already had an impact on the data. Residential demand has spiked on a year-over-year basis ever since stay-at-home orders began to be imposed around April. In April, ResCom was up 14% on a year-over-year basis, and in May, the figure was plus 11%. In fact, since April, the year-over-year percent increase in residential consumption has averaged about 10%. We don't yet have data for the winter, but it seems reasonable to expect the trend to continue until the virus is under control. Beyond demand shifting over to the residential side, it's quite possible that we could see an increase in total power burn this year due to these dynamics. In a normal year, you go to work and you leave your home thermostat set at the minimum. But now, with many folks working from home, a lot of thermostats are being left on high throughout the workday. On top of this, heat at the large vacant office buildings, which are often less thermally insulated than a home, can't just be shut off. These buildings still have to have sufficient heat to protect the plumbing and any sensitive equipment. Workspaces that are running with smaller crews of people still have to be heated as if everyone was there. Because of this, I expect we'll see an uptick in power burn this season, and I believe that may be unanticipated in the same way that the toilet paper shortages were in the spring. Right. It does seem the market has had some trouble adjusting to this new normal of people working from home. This has been evident in a lot of the big misses that we've seen in the storage data. One notable one was during the Thanksgiving week where we saw the market withdraw only one BCF of gas. A lot of folks before that, before the report came out, they were expecting the market to take out closer to 15 BCF of gas. But weather was unusually mild that week. Plus, demand is always lower around the holidays anyway. But then the EIA followed up that report with a bullish report, and even the latest storage data was also pretty supportive. Even still, we've seen wide ranges of expectations ahead of these EIA reports. Some folks in the last report were expecting to draw as small as 105 BCF, while others were predicting a pool closer to 140 BCF. What exactly do you think the market is missing when it comes to estimating just how much COVID has impacted demand? I think it's just been a crazy year for forecasters in general. First and foremost, you have COVID, which has impacted almost everything. But on top of that, you have LNG exports hitting 11 plus BCF. You have takeaway capacity finally showing up in West Texas, making Appalachian gas once again the cheapest in the country. There are just so many wrenches in the gears that it's hard to tease out the impact of one versus the other. The other thing I'd add is that this year is going to reset expectations for a lot of different forecasting models. I remember years ago, 2014, I think, 
when the great polar vortex was making headlines and prices at Algonquin CityGate reached $78 in MMBTU. That winter had such a large impact on gas prices that it changed expectations in the forwards markets for a year or two after that and reshaped what people thought a winter curve should look like. I expect COVID obviously to be much bigger in this case, and it isn't even clear which of the changes it brought about will be temporary and which will be permanent. You're right. That's a very good point, Nate. I myself, I've been working from home for the past six years, as have several other NGI employees. But for a lot of companies, this is a brand new ballgame. Will working from home become more commonplace? Or do folks actually miss that morning commute to, or, you know, morning and afternoon commute to and from the office? You also mentioned LNG. Just a few months ago, analysts were fairly certain that after the winter, U.S. cargoes would be at risk of cancellation again in the summer. Now, several are coming around to the theory that higher global prices are here to stay, which should keep LNG in the money in 2021. No matter how all of that pans out, though, NGI will be working to keep you informed. Nate, I want to thank you for joining me today, and thank you all for listening to today's episode of NGI's Hub & Flow. On behalf of Nate and myself, we wish you good health and a wonderful holiday season. 